Welcome back to the Fish Tank right here on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. Seth Levitt, of course, with DJ Preach and OJ McDuffie looking fresh out of that. I know you had an appointment today. We won't get into that juice, but we're glad you still made it in time. How are you feeling, man? Man, I feel bad that I had everybody wait a little bit, man. I was in the dentist's office. My, my, my buddy, Dr. Randy Gofar, took a little longer than I thought, man, but I'm, I'm feeling better. I'm feeling better, but I'm excited, man. Big Seth, I'm excited, Big Seth. And we got another great guest, man, and we've been waiting for this one, man. We, so it's we have be a great, been. great recording. Yeah, absolutely. So I know we went, you know, every other show, we have to have a wide receiver in here, Bob. Juice always likes to have a wide receiver guest, but <laughs> two shows ago. Yeah, yeah I, could, I can't imagine why, but two shows ago, oh, we had a... Don't forget you win the big games with the defensive guys. We know this. <laughs> exactly we know. Right. We, obviously, from what the Dolphins have been showing lately, right? <laughs> That's exactly right. So the voice you hear is Bob Baumhauer, a great defensive player. Not just a good defensive player, but a great defensive player in the history of this franchise. So, Bob, welcome to the tank. Thank you. It's good to be here. We're yeah, excited I, to have I like, you. I like this being in the fish tank. You know, I'm a fisherman, and uh, I like the territory here. Perfect. Well, we love that you dove in. We just had uh, your good friend A.J. Dewey in a couple episodes ago, and we know and we're going to talk about you guys being part of the same draft class. But we had a receiver in Brandon Marshall this past week, and so we had to bring it back to the defensive side of the <laughs> Oh, man. So, Bob, you know, we know you're you're known as an Alabama guy, but we're getting ready for the show. You know, I saw that you originally attended North Palm Beach Gardens High School. So you really do have some South Florida ties. Um, can you give us a little bit of your background and, you know, how'd you end up at Tuscaloosa High School? And uh, <laughs> are, you, are you still, do you still have some, you know, how rich are your South Florida roots here? Are you still South Floridian at heart? I, I am. I am. And, and actually, I was born in Virginia. And then we moved a good bit. I was born not far from where Dwight Stevenson was raised. Oh, wow. And, um, and we were just talking about that. I was born in Portsmouth, Virginia, near Norfolk. And uh, Dwight's born just across the, the bay. And uh, but then we moved up north. My dad was in the Navy. We moved up north to uh, Toledo, Ohio, after I was uh, a couple years old. Ohio. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And then That's where I'm from. <laughs> dad was a Kirby vacuum cleaner guy. And we took a vacation to Florida when I was a freshman in high school. We fell in love with the Palm Beach area on that vacation, found out that the Kirby distributorship for Palm Beach County was open, told his boss, he says, I'm going to Florida with or without Kirby. We ended up going to Kirby, uh, to uh, North Palm Beach, Florida as a freshman. I went to Palm Beach Gardens High School. I was just teasing Nat about this because Nat gives me a lot of grief about the Crimson Tide. And I, we were just talking about <laughs> I was actually a Palm Beach Garden Gator uh, when I was ah. in high school. I knew I liked you, Bob. I got that gator blood in him somewhere, Juice. Yeah. <laughs> and then Dad got another promotion. We loved South Florida. We lived in North Palm Beach, lived on the water, did a lot of fishing, loved everything about South Florida, like uh, just, you know, the best. And then as a, uh, just before my senior year, Dad got another promotion, a large territory of the Southeast, and, and ended up moving uh, to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, as a senior in high school. And... Uh, just, uh, you know, it turned out great. Go to Alabama. And uh, I would probably never would have never ever thought about going to Alabama if I don't move up there. And then, uh, you know, play at Alabama and get drafted by the Dolphins and I go back home. 
So it was a lot of fun. Quite a journey. And we're going to get into all of that that you just mentioned there at the end. But, you know, when you said dad was in the Navy, I was like, okay, so he moved around. He was, you know, in the military, military family, but it was vacuum cleaner. Who would have thought vacuum cleaners would drag yeah. all over the, the country? Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, dad was a special guy. And, 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 and along with my mom, my mom's still living. She lives with me and uh, they just kept moving up. They just kept moving up, kept moving up and they created opportunities. And, uh, and then, you know, sometimes at the time I didn't see it as a positive because you're moving so much, but it ended up being the best thing could ever happen for me and dad. Uh, uh, they uh, ended up in Alabama and, and that's uh, where, uh, you know, I came back to Alabama uh, obviously to, and that's a whole nother story why I came back, but, uh, uh, everything works out for the best sometimes. Well, it seems as if it worked out for the best for you and certainly worked out the best for the dolphins ultimately. And, and you just talked about Alabama and I'm looking over your shoulder there and can see, uh, the great bear still looking over your shoulder, which, yeah, is, yeah. <laughs> that's right. which is pretty that's funny, right. but so, so talk <laughs> about that. I mean, obviously you, you had a, a fantastic career played under an iconic head coach. But what I was reading, it seems as if your recruitment, so to speak, to Alabama, or you finding your way there was almost an accident. Talk about that. Talk about well, how you ended exactly up there. Right. Because I didn't start playing ball until I was a junior year, junior year at Palm Beach Gardens High School. And then I moved to Tuscaloosa. And so I wasn't a guy that loved football, wanted to be a great football player. I didn't have that kind of vision for myself. And I was more into water and fishing, the beach and all that type of stuff. So moved to Alabama, played at Tuscaloosa High School, did not get recruited at all. I had one official visit that was to Auburn. Uh, they didn't sign me. And it wasn't until well after the signing date, it was either March or April, where Coach Bryant was watching some film of their top offensive line prospect for that they had signed. And we had played the school that this guy went to in the state playoffs. By the end of my senior year in high school, I was improving, getting better. This guy was their top offensive line prospect, and he had a really tough night with me. <laughs> like he, said, he had a tough night. Yeah, yeah, he had a tough night. And and so uh, Coach Brian saw that film and said, well, okay, we filmed, we, we signed this guy. Where's the guy that's uh, whooping his tail right now? Right. <laughs> and so... And so I had one scholarship offer and, and I just, you know, it was Vanderbilt. I went up to Nashville, got a coach named Charlie Bradshaw, who had played for Coach Bryant in Kentucky, was the defensive line coach. They offered me a scholarship. I called home, told mom and dad I was going to sign. I love Nashville, had a good time. And they said, don't sign. The coaches just called from Alabama. They wanted wow. to get back. So I flew directly back to Tuscaloosa from Nashville there were seven coaches waiting in a station wagon at the airport. <laughs> seven of them. Acting really nervous and said, hey, do you mind going to see Coach Bryant? Now, nobody talked to me the whole year. Nobody yeah. recruited me. So I, I get this reception in Tuscaloosa at the airport. And uh, they took me to see Coach Bryant. And he apologized, said, we hadn't shown you any respect. Didn't do this, didn't do that. Wow. But I want you to play for Alabama. And uh Obviously, I, I jumped at the opportunity and uh, I was just it was one of them fortunate things. Again, you know, mom and dad had put me in that situation uh, by moving up there. So things worked out. And I went to the University of Alabama and uh, Coach Bryant continued to uh, affect my life in a really positive way uh, for a long time. Still does, actually. You know, like you said, he's looking over me right now. 
Yeah, he's clearly looking over you. And I love that he sat down. Well, first of all, I love that those coaches were nervous because they did not want to have to go back and tell Bear Bryant that they couldn't get it done. Is what it and what had happened is this was something that the trainer, the head trainer at uh, Alabama told me later, is the defensive line coach thought I was going to walk on at Alabama. And I never thought about that. And he had told Coach Bryant that. And he says, if that kid signs with Nashville, this is what I heard Coach Bryant told Coach Donahue, if he signs with uh, and he knew Charlie Bradshaw because he played with him. If he signs with Vanderbilt, some heads are going to roll. Coach Bryant was not happy. And you're right. I think probably because of that, they were nervous. And uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's what it sounds like. And, and the other follow-up I have on this, and I won't belabor the point, but you talked, I, I love that he said, hey, you know, we didn't show you enough respect. But what I also read was as much as he clearly respected you, he struggled with your name for a little while. Oh, yeah. Have tried. <laughs> what, what, what's the deal with that? Well, first, yeah. And and to get to that point, though, I had to go a little ways. I, I actually, I had a good spring. They moved me to defense the spring of my freshman year. I had a great spring. But again, I didn't have like any kind of a vision for myself. So between spring and fall, I didn't do a lot to prepare to get better. Came back to camp and um, had a you know, summer job, didn't have a lot of time to work out, came to camp, not in great shape, thought I was going to come back to camp as a starter. I came back, I was on last string. And after three days of being on last string, nobody talked to me. I quit. And, um, you, quit. That, you know, I had, I had made my, I, Hey, I had a great spring. I thought I was going to be a starter. Coach Bryant got word to me and my dad. They wanted to see me in his office. There's two days were still going on real nice to my dad greets him, says, come on in, Mr. Baumhauer looks at me and says, what are you doing here? I said, I heard you wanted to talk to me. He says, well, I don't talk to quitters, but since you're here, get your butt in here. So he starts working me right from the get-go, wow. made me look at myself as a quitter, which I didn't at the time. And the first thing he asked me, says, I gave him my spiel on why I quit. And he says, well, tell me something. What did you do between spring and fall to get better? And I couldn't answer the question. And, uh, and it wasn't that I was a bad guy. I just, I didn't think that way. And he went into... Uh, we went into a discussion where he said he expected me to try to get better every day, that everybody on the team at Alabama has to have that mentality. And until it meant more to me to make a commitment to be the best I could be, I wasn't going to be a starter. By the end of the practice, I mean, by the end of the meeting, I'm sorry, I was begging to come back. I mm. came back, uh, didn't start right away, earned a starting job the third or fourth game of the season. And actually had a really good game and that's where the name thing comes in uh coach Bryant was famous for not being able to say people's names correctly <laughs> and so I'm I'm watching the Bear Bryant show on Sunday with everybody else and I had a good game so I'm figuring he's got to say something on his show and sure enough he did and they showed me making a couple sacks and he goes yeah yeah that's a good young prospect we got Bob 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 Bellhouse you know, just butchered my name. And a guy named Charlie Thornton, who was the host of the show, says, Coach Bryant, that's Bob Baumhauer. And I'm in there with all the guys. We're at Bryant Hall. They're all like, you know, giving me grief. So he corrected him. He, he did correct him. He did. And he says, yeah, well, whatever his last name is, he's going to be a good young one. And he, he learned how to say my name a few games later. So yeah, it all, it all ended up good. Hey, well, Bellhouse is probably better than quitter. And then clearly it, it became Baumhauer. So that's well, that meeting changed my life. And, yeah, I and I tell people that all the time and um, absolutely changed everything about my life, changed the way I looked at things, uh, gave me some vision. 
uh, for uh, making a plan and just about everything I do. And, and, you know, anybody that went to Alabama, whether it was Dwight, Tony Nathan, Don McNeil, Coach Bryant just had a wonderful uh, way to take somebody that needed a little bit of guidance as far as making a plan for yourself and being able to work that plan. He had a wonderful way to get folks to think that way. And uh, awesome. You know, back in the day, uh, you guys probably remember we had, I believe it was four or five guys playing on the Dolphins team back in the yeah. 70s and 80s. It was Dwight and Don McNeil and Tony Nathan, myself, a guy named Joe Carter came in for a couple of years. Uh, there's a lot of connections there between the two schools at the time. And then obviously Mike Shula ended up going to Alabama to play quarterback in the eighties. And and then held another position there as well at some point. So, uh, you know, the, the ties run deep for sure. Right. Smart, I how smart much... recruiting. I call that smart recruiting right there. You know, if you want to go yeah. get some players that can play, you yeah. know, you go to Alabama, man. And especially nowadays as well. It hasn't changed much, has it, Bob? <laughs> yeah, well, I tell you, I, I, you know, that was a tough year, you guys, when Coach Saban left the Dolphins and went to Alabama for me. I mean, that was tough. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> you know, talking to Nat and the guys down there, not, not a lot of happy campers down there. And then being up here in the coaches show, we do the coaches show from Baumhauer's in, in Tuscaloosa. Nice. And, uh, we've been doing that for a long time. And so, uh, but uh, I got to tell you, Coach Saban has done a wonderful job up here. And it's he, he does a great job, not just with bringing good players here, but it's about good people developing them, getting them ready for life after football. He does a really good job with that. He has a really high graduation rate. Uh, obviously, he runs a discipline program. Uh, and like you said, OJ, he's the Alabama's culture when it comes to standards and commitment is as good a place as it's ever been. I wonder how much of that pipeline between Alabama and Miami at that time had to do with Howard Schnellenberger, uh, another local legend in, in coaching that obviously had a uh, was a part of Bear Bryant's string of championships, three and five years, I believe it was. And, uh, you know, at that time was the offensive coordinator. Yeah, there was a the lot Dolphins. of connections there, you guys. I don't know if you heard the story, but uh, Mr. Robbie actually agreed to terms with Coach Bryant to take the, jo the Dolphin job before Coach Shula did. And, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of books that have written up here I wrote about that there's a there's a long story behind that but so there was a long relationship there with uh, uh there's been a relationship with the Dolphins and Alabama for a long time and then the Snellenberger piece you're 100 correct he was at coach Snellenberger was at Miami my rookie year I believe it was the next year that he took the Hurricanes job and then you know put the Hurricanes on the map a nice little pipeline right there a nice pipeline right there man I, I love that but let's talk about 1977, you know, the Dolphins take A.J. Douay in the first round. They select you in the second round after I think both you guys had uh, played with Coach Shula, worked under Coach Shula at the Senior Bowl. And trust me, I know what it's like to move from legend to legend, you know, me going from Joe Paterno to Don Shula, right. you know. Talk about your transition from Coach Bear Bryant to Shoes. And, you know, even though, you know, you're used to tough leaders, I mean, it's my understanding early on, you were asked to move from D-tackle to nose and – you weren't too happy about that. Let's talk about that transition a little yeah, bit. You are you're 100% correct. And <laughs> I was excited as heck to have the opportunity to play for Coach Chula in the Senior Bowl. And I think that probably had more to do with me, you know, going in the second round than anything. I started off the season supposed to be a pretty high pick, got hurt, played hurt the whole year. And and my stock went down, went to the Senior Bowl, uh, was, you know, was had healed up. Uh, but being able, AJ, both and both AJ and I feel that being at the Senior Bowl was the reason we ended up with the Dolphins, which is obvious. But 
when I when we got to Miami, the Dolphins had gone six and eight the year prior. Coach Shula was actually having three a days, and uh, you heard about those, yeah, yeah, three a days. <laughs> and uh, I was the I was I played defensive, what would be considered a defensive end today with Alabama, right? And so I get to Miami, and they were short at the defensive line position. And uh, AJ and I were basically going to be expected to contribute our first year. They moved me to nose and, and Manny Fernandez, that was his last year. And Mandy comes up to me, he goes, rookie, I feel for you. And they moved me to nose. That was the start of the end for me. Thanks, Manny. I'm having to hear all this negative stuff. And then, and then you had, you had Larry Little, you had Jim Langer and Bob Kuchenberg as the middle Yikes. three. They destroyed me every practice. I mean, and I'm trying to learn to learn the nose wow. position. I was not a happy camper after a couple of weeks. Coach Scary, Mike Scary, who was my coach, was our defensive line coach at the time, kind of got a vibe that I wasn't a happy camper, pulled me aside, had a conversation with me, said, look, I think you could be a good defensive end, but we think you can be a great nose. We need you to master that nose position. And um, what happened is I, you know, I did some thinking and I, I made a commitment to be the best I could be at that position based off of what I'd learned from Coach Bryant. And then with Jim Langer and with Larry Little and with Kuchenberg and with Coach Arnsbarger and, and Coach Scary, I worked really, really hard at learning that position. And by the time preseason got there, I was thinking I couldn't play the position because I just couldn't get it done in practice. Mm. Then the first preseason game, I had a couple sacks real quick and I, I, it didn't take me long to figure out that the guys I was practicing against every day were about three <laughs> levels above anybody I was playing in the NFL. You weren't going to see anything like that wow. the rest of your career. It was crazy. I mean, so I'm playing against these centers. And back then, mostly, <laughs> most of the teams had four, four man lines. So these guys weren't used to having somebody like me. I'm six, five and can run a little bit and got, you know, I'm more of a tall angular kind of guy. And these centers were really made for work the even man line and getting the backside linebacker. They weren't used to having somebody on top of them. And so my rookie year, I had a blast. And, and <laughs> most of it was because Langer was kicking my butt in practice and Cooch was kicking my butt in practice and Larry Little was. In fact, we used to get into it in practice. And I remember one time we were into it and I, I heard one of the coaches say, let him go, let him go, because they liked seeing that fire they like seeing a little bit of intensity there and uh That's you know great. we ended up going 10 and 4 should have made the playoffs and then that kind of restarted the whole playoff thing again and and we had a pretty good run there for a few years yeah pretty good <laughs> pretty yeah, good exactly. yeah. think about that though you know so i like i i've heard uh, in my day job, Bob, I, I run Jason Taylor's nonprofit organization. And so right. I've heard JT his whole career. He's talked about how when he came in as a rookie, getting his butt kicked by Richmond Webb every day, when he got to game days, everything was easier because right. of that and the work that he got against Richmond. I can't right. imagine having to go against three of those guys, you know, two who are in the Hall of Fame, one who uh, absolutely the argument could be made that, that Bob Kuchenberg should be there as well. Right. And every day those guys are pounding on your asses. You're trying to, I mean, that's unbelievable. That I was a pinball, man. I mean, I was, <laughs> they were, it was, it was bad. And my confidence went down and, you know, but here, what was funny is after practice, they'd all take, take us young guys and, you know, we go get a beer and they, 
talk about how this technique or that technique, I need to work on this. I need to work on that. And then next day we go to practice, they kick my butt again. And then they coach me after <laughs> practice again. And uh, really neat culture there. And then another guy that really was helpful that year was Mike Colon, Captain Crunch. And Mike had hurt his knee in 76 and was trying to earn his job back in the training camp of 77 with, you know, and Bo Camper as well. Bo had hurt his knee in 76. And uh, Colin was a very, very positive influence, as was Manny Fernandez. I had, hey, I had real long, pretty hair when I was a rookie. Manny <laughs> Manny took me to get a haircut. Uh, as an old school barbershop. They butchered my butchered my hair. I mean, I came out of that. I think Manny was setting you up. I think he told you because Manny was great at the nose tackle position. So he was, was setting like, you up there. He was setting you up with the hair. He I think did. He did. I said, Manny, why'd you take me there? He said, Manny, you know, I'm trying to let you remind you, you're a rookie, man. You're a rookie. Yeah, that, that's what it sounded like. Well, he was on this show and revealed that his role as the phantom and the pranks and what have you. So it sounds to me like the barbershop and everything else, you might have been a victim of the phantom is what it sounds like. Yeah, I, I tell you, and he was a hero. You know, the, the the year they went undefeated, and I was living in South Florida then. To me, he was the MVP of that Super Bowl. I mean, he absolutely dominated that game, and he was playing a nose position. Exactly. And he was playing against, uh, fair, you know, that was a pretty good offensive line, but he dominated. Manny absolutely dominated that uh, offensive line and had a great game in the Super Bowl. I, just, you know, I, just, I, I still, like, pinch myself that I had – I couldn't believe that I had the opportunity to be – you know, around those kind of guys as a Dolphin, especially going to Palm Beach Gardens High School back in the day when I was uh, younger. That is crazy the way the way life works like that. So, so listen, we're going to have some more football talk, but before we go too far down the road, I, I do have a question for you about another uh, relationship you have with another Alabama legend, and that's Joe Namath. So uh, for those who don't know you, Joe, you, another Alabama quarterback, Richard Todd, you guys in the 80s, I think it was, partnered, and you opened up Bachelors 3 in Fort Lauderdale. And and, uh, Joe had been – he had an entire career in the NFL. At that point, he was Broadway Joe. He was a legend. He was destined for the Hall of Fame when you came in as a rookie. So how did you guys – where was the connection? You clearly didn't play together at Alabama. How did you guys get connected? What was that relationship like, Bob? And, And I have to imagine there were some good times. Yeah, I, I was yeah, I was a Joe wannabe. And uh, <laughs> Richard Todd was a Joe wannabe too. You know, Joe was the man back then. Uh, but Joe went to Alabama and then he would come back to Tuscaloosa every June and work out during June in Tuscaloosa to get away from everything. I went with an agent my rookie year, guy, a guy named Jimmy Walsh, and that was Joe Namus' agent. Richard Todd, who came out the year prior to me, the year before me, went with Jimmy as well. And Rich and I had become best buddies at school. And so I went with Jimmy as well. And then, you know, I, I got to know, I didn't get to know Joe well when I was in college, but Joe lived in Fort Lauderdale during the off season, right off of Oakland and Bayview there, he had a condo. So Richard and I bought a condo in the same building. <laughs> and then Joe had one a bachelor's tree in New York. He had one in Birmingham. He had one in Tuscaloosa. They had all closed. And Jimmy says, you know, with you guys staying here during the off season, we need to do one more bachelor's tree. And that's how I got in the restaurant business as far as my first kind of experience with the restaurant business was uh, the Bachelor's Tree in US1 there in Fort Lauderdale. And so did you guys spend a lot of time there? Were you and Joe? Well, yeah. yeah. yeah, We, in fact, we would go there and I'd have fun just watching Joe. You know, I have fun watching people watch Joe. But, you know, Reggie Jackson used to hang out there, Billy Martin, Tom Jones, the, the singer from back in the day. It was like Planet Hollywood 
before Planet Hollywood because of Joe. Right. And, and we had a disco in there. We had a really nice raw bar. It was a really neat restaurant, valet parking. It was right on US-1 in between Sunrise and Oakland Park Boulevard. And, uh, you know, it was, I got to tell you, I mean, I was having a lot of fun uh, for a while. I bet it was a lot of fun. I bet yeah. it was. So here's a question, though. So Richard Todd, your business partner, right? And you guys are Alabama alum. But then he's also a rival. So what was that like to go? And, you know, 82 uh, AFC Championship game. Right. You're playing here in the Orange Bowl. And you guys are fighting for the Super Bowl. And, and, right. and uh, you, you registered a sack in that game. At the, you know, do, do all business agreements go out of the, you know, do they, are oh, they yeah. just off the table at that point? Oh yeah. But and it's interesting. Richard lives up here in Alabama. We see each other, but that was an interesting uh, situation there because I'm playing nose Richard's quarterback. He's walking right up to me every play. So we usually have a couple words before every play, you know, before he'd get under the center's butt there. And, and, and uh, usually it was fun, but uh and but I'll tell you what, the Jets ran more damn screwy nose plays than anybody. In fact, really, he took me out one time. They used to put the tight end in motion. And just before the tight end would get to the to the center position, they'd snap the ball. The center set me up and, the, you know, tight end to come in and cut me back then. You could cut, you could chop, you could do it all on the nose. And I used to have a few words with Richard about his uh, play selection <laughs> as far as some of those plays were concerned. But great guy but i will tell you that whether it was richard or i got the opportunity to play against kenny as well too whether it was with the raiders or when he was with houston my experience was you want to play better and harder against buddies like that than you do you know anybody else so makes sense uh, richard was the same way obviously it's just that competitive nature and uh usually used to back in the day when we would play the jets uh, we had mondays off back then i would stay in New York and and hang out with the guys up there and then fly back the next day. I bet those were good times too. Those were good times too. <laughs> man, speaking of good times, Big Seth, man, I have no doubt that Bob, I, I know you enjoyed your South Florida living. And for what I understand, you know, you also loved a little bit, a little bit east of South Florida living as well. Talk about the Bahamas. Yeah. I take a trip or two over to Bimini. Yeah. You know, you guys talk talk about your 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 love for the Bahamas. And I know before we got on, we talked about how much they love the Dolphins as well. Right. Well, and that you're 100% correct. There's so many really great, faithful, loyal Dolphin fans in the Bahamas. But I fell in love with Bimini first. Uh, got to know some of the folks over there. Became a, a Ernest Hemingway fan, and he was a big mm. fan of the of Bimini. In fact, the the book Islands in the Stream, the first chapter in that book is on is on Bimini. The next chapter is Cuba, and so uh, just. Bimini's 46 miles off of Fort Lauderdale. Uh, actually went on over there the first time with some friends. Richard Todd was on that trip on a dive trip. Now, I'm not a diver. They wanted to go diving. I fell in love with the water and snorkeling, and, and, and I like to fish. And so uh, the combination of just how great the islands are, especially I like the out islands, the people over there are fantastic. And then obviously the, the water and the fishing and the things to do over there. It's still a love of mine. And then I got into this crazy restaurant business and got away from it for a long time. But about 10 years ago, uh, and I've got four kids, uh, 20 to 28, two boys, two girls. I really wanted to get them over there. We I got back into boating, bought a boat, started taking them to Bimini, and I got them all hooked on the islands. Now all my kids are just sick puppy dolphin uh and actually <laughs> outstanding dolphin, 
and uh, Bahamas fan. In fact, we, you know, I was there for the game, the, the uh, Rams game and uh, bought some throwback jackets there from uh, one of the souvenir shops there. And all my kids are excited to have their throwback jackets wearing their dolphin stuff. So you were just here for the Rams game. If if that's the way the defense is going to play when you're here, Bob, you need to come into town more often. Yeah, I was the honorary captain for that game. So I think it was because I was the honorary captain. Got them right. fired up, okay? They brought it. That's Can right. Somebody they put a call it. in to somebody and make you a permanent honorary well, I got to tell you, I met Coach Florence's Flores at the Senior Bowl last year. He ate at Dolphins. I have a restaurant here in, in Mobile called Dolphins, D-A-U-P-H-I-N, the French way, right? Fell in love with him. Love. He's got a plan. Coach Flores has a plan. And and his his uh, assistants uh, got a chance to talk to him. I got to tell you, I love, I, if nothing else, they're playing so hard right now. Right. I mean, they're playing hard and they're getting better. And um, I love what I I love what I've been seeing. Uh, I love what I saw, you know, the tail end of last year. And and the other thing is, it looks like they're having fun. And uh, you know, I just can't say enough about the job he's doing. So, and I'm That's a awesome. defensive guy. Uh, you know, I was excited about Tua. You know, getting that first start. That's right, another Bama. Bama, here we go. It keeps coming back <laughs> yeah, to us. That's yeah. right. But but you know, you got Davis. You know, playing some good defensive line. Another Alabama guy. Maybe we got another Alabama connection going That's too. Right. I don't know. I but see that. I got to tell you, he's got them playing hard. Yeah. And it looks like buy-in is there, and and you know, you you got to have buy-in. You got to you got to believe in those coaches. And to me, it looks like they got they got a hundred ten percent going on there. Well, we hope it keeps it up, but I didn't know the secret was to get you out there going in for the coin toss. So, yeah, well, they wouldn't let me go out on a coin toss. Well, that, yeah, Kobe. Screen, but whatever they did, it worked. So, we need to replicate that. Yeah. Well, I want to follow up. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Bob. Well, what I was saying on my card, I my title now, I'm in the restaurant business, is head fry cook. So, when you know, I, I'm going around busting tables still, I still do all that stuff, you know. So, you get you get up our opportunity to be honorary captain, it, it's uh pretty special. I really that's really I, cool. Quite a promotion does just a phenomenal job with all the things he does for the us old guys. So, it was yeah. really good to be back there and watch, especially like you said, the way that that defense played. Whoa. That was something special. Well, I'm going to tell you this too, Bob, but you know, you talk about you old guys, man. I'm an old guy now myself, man, but what you guys have done for, for all of us and what the guys did before you leading up to this, man, the way the organization keeps us all together, man, we're so tight. I think as an organization, as an alumni, man, it's always so much fun to hear you guys like yourself or guys like, you know, even played after me talk about how, how much of a family is and how much we are how close of a group that we are as alumni because I don't see that with any other organization in, in, in any pro sports, man. And so I love hearing that and I love hearing that you were back. I saw you on the, on the Jumbotron, you know, when they announced the honorary captains, man, it was, it was, I didn't know you were in the building though. So I'm glad you were in the building as I well. I came up. I mean, I came down. I, I brought my, I brought a couple of the kids. I brought some yes. of my folks, but I got to tell you, I agree with you a hundred percent. And when my rookie year, I remember like it was yesterday, you, you had, you know, Greasy was still on the team and, and you had, you know, Larry Little and you had all of the folks that had gone undefeated and, and most of them. And you still had a lot of the guys that had been there, some of them in the 60s when they made the transition when Shula came in there. And they really did take us under their wing to try to do everything they could to make us be the best that we could be. And I was just talking to a guy who played for uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. His name was Tom Banks. He was a center for the Cardinals. 
played against him a couple of times. We've become friends. But I told him, I was talking to him and I was telling him I was coming back from Miami. And he went on and on because he's known me for a while. He says, you're so lucky to have played for the Dolphins because, you know, he, he played for the Cardinals. He says, I don't know anybody that does what the Dolphins do for you old guys. And, and I don't, I'm not exactly sure when that started as far as the, the great alumni programs. I know that nobody appreciates Nat more than I do, but uh, I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, it's a family. And it's good. It's so good to see Coach Flores bring this enthusiasm and this fun and, and everybody's talking about it. And, you know, we, and Miami's a funny place. If you're not winning, those fans, they, they got a lot of other things they can be doing. <laughs> There's a few other choices out there for sure. There ain't no better fans on the planet than them Dolphin fans when you're winning. You That's know? right. They love their Dolphins. <laughs> Absolutely. So I want to go back to this thing on the water real quick and, okay. and your trips to Bimini. You were telling us a story before we actually started the show about living on the water and having a boat and inspiring some of the other guys. And then, and then you inspired Hugh Green unknowingly. Can, can you just yeah. share that story with us again? Yeah. Well, Hugh, you know, this was in the mid eighties and Hugh got traded from the Tampa Bay Bucks over to Miami. And so, uh, uh, I'd heard about it and everybody knew who Hugh Green was. We used to play uh, the Buccaneers in, in preseason every year. Didn't like it because it, they played it like it was the Super Bowl, you know, right. season game in the damn Bucs. <laughs> I mean, hey, guys, chill a little bit, you know, preseason. But anyway, it goes with the territory. But Hugh was a great player. He visited my house when I wasn't there. I was up in Alabama, met him in, in uh, down at training camp. And told me, I uh, saw I had a boat. He says, I want to get a boat as well. We hooked up, became best buddies. My boat was called, uh, I had a fishing boat called, uh, it was a 65-foot Matic called Big Mama. And then Hugh bought a boat. He kept it at my house. And then Dupe and, um, Dupe and Nat kept their boat at my house for a bit. So I had, must have had a lot of dock space yeah. there, Bob. Oh, yeah. I got some stories about Dupe and Nat, too. But that could be, <laughs> that could be later. But anyway, we so can tell him here. Hugh, Hugh keeps his boat there. He names his boat Yo Mama Three. Yo Mama. Yo Mama. Yo Mama Three. And, uh, we still stay in touch. He lives in Natchez, which is uh, I don't know about three hours from where I am here in Alabama. Wow. We stay in touch, but uh, we became best buds, and he started. He fell in love with the islands too. Now, and, how did uh, he know? You said he visited your house when you weren't there. Yeah. Yeah. And I found out through his visit that the guy I had there that I thought was a nice, young, quiet, young man, uh-huh. you know, um, he liked to have parties when I was in Alabama. <laughs> I didn't always know about him. That was the spot. I love <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this was up in Fort Lauderdale off Las Olas. And oh, that's uh, classic. And uh, I found out a lot through that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it sounds like. That's what oh, it sounds good, like. That's outstanding. That's great. So listen, another thing that, that we've been told that you enjoy beyond just the water is that you enjoyed a good prank or two uh, in your day. And so in fact, we spoke with uh, our friend, Stu Weinstein, who is a great friend of the fish tank. And, and certainly, as you know, from from your days in playing, the, the uh, really kind of the uh, the pioneer of security directors across the NFL. Uh, but Stu said that there was once in a preseason game at Atlanta, there was the case of the missing Dan Marino equipment. And that, you know, people were going nuts and they couldn't find Danny's equipment. And Stu got a phone call that someone was holding the equipment hostage and, and wanted a ransom to be paid. Do you know anything about this story? No. 
<laughs> well, yeah, you, you, uh, we we had a lot of fun back in the day, <laughs> all kinds of stuff like that. And um, like we were talking about earlier, the whole family atmosphere of the Dolphins and and Stu, I still get texts from from him. He's just a really really fun guy. He's amazing. Yeah, we um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm sure it's still that way. We we just said <laughs> now what might have been a little different there is most of us guys were together for a lot of years and we got to know each other really well. Right. There was a lot of player movement back then. So some of that was a little bit different. Uh, Thursday nights, there'd sometimes there'd be 20, 25 of us all going to dinner somewhere, you know, and, and we found a way we had a good time when we yeah. end up in one spot like that. <laughs> so, that's, that's what it sounds like. Well, well, June Stu said that he said that he bought in, he thought someone really had stolen it, but they only wanted like a hundred bucks or something, which I'm sure at that time still is a lot yeah. of money, but he said he showed up with a hundred bucks and, uh, <laughs> yeah, so and he got great. the equipment back, Bob, is what I hear. <laughs> and that's how you get through the preseason though, right, Bob is, you know, pranks and, and, and fun like that during the preseason. Cause especially right. when you're having three a days and possibly a fourth one late at night, maybe who knows, they might call it a walkthrough, but it's kind of right. a pseudo practice, but pranks right. and, and fun stuff like that. And guys, you know, being able to take stuff like that. It, it's part of it, man. It's part of camaraderie and, and how guys grow close together. And, you know, once you get over the prank and you're, you're good, man, that's, that's right. good stuff right there. And I, and I think that's, that plays a bigger part in what makes a great team than people give it credit for is, is you know, the relationships in between the players and, and having a confidence in each other that you're all there for the same thing. And, that uh, y'all share that vision of, of why you're coming to work every morning. And that was, you know, and that was always evident every year under a Shula coach team, as far as I'm concerned, we came to work and, and whether it was in beginning of training camp or middle part of the season, whatever, we're coming to work and we're working towards being in the Super Bowl. You know, we yeah, always, talk about we always talk about had a vision to be the best there was. And, uh, and what you're talking about as far as the relationships and having fun and appreciating Appreciating each other, each other to me played a big part of uh, uh, some of our better teams. Yeah, let's talk about some of that work you guys put in, man. Especially you, man, on the field. I mean, we have we have a young crowd sometimes, and sometimes they don't get what some guys have done. You know, as part of being Dolphins and Dolphins, man. But you know, I don't know how many people realize how impressive your resume is. And we're talking five Pro Bowls, two-time First Team All-Pro, three-time Second Team All-Pro, and of course. You're enshrined the Miami Dolphins honor roll. Let's talk about those defense you played on and played in, especially during the time, you know, where your guys are talking about the Killer Bees as, as a household name. Even me up and living in Ohio knew about the Killer Bees, man. So let's, let's yeah. talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it, and I tell you, I just, I was, I, I called about a boat this morning, you guys, and a boat broker in Florida. And he goes, are you, uh, are you the Bob Baumhauer? Who was the killer bee? And and you know, That's I'm good. thinking this guy's 52 years old. And he lives up in Stewart, Florida. And and you know, in the moment, even though I always appreciated the opportunity, I think as much as anybody, I mean, I never took it for granted. You just don't realize how blessed you are to have those experiences. And whether it's playing for a guy like Coachula uh, or playing for the Miami Dolphins or being in South Florida, I love being in South Florida. I love where I live. Uh, the relationships that you had, you know, and uh, like this past, this past week, I got to talk to Bo Camper. I saw betters. I stopped and saw betters. Uh, nice. Matt, Dwight Stevenson. Uh, it's just, you can't, you just, I don't know the blessings that I feel that I got from that are just, it just, 
I can't, it's hard to put into words how blessed I feel to have had those relationships. So the things that came with that, I don't really think about that much. I, I remember my first Pro Bowl like it was yesterday. My first Pro Bowl was Mean Joe Green's last Pro Bowl. We played wow. together. We started together. You know, I'm thinking, man, I'm yeah. I, this is like a dream. That's really you know, cool. And Jack Lambert was the linebacker. And I mean, those experiences, you just can't say enough about it. And then, you know, and, and I, I can't say enough about the fact that Coach Shu was the one that gave me the opportunity to take advantage of that. That's the way I look at it, you know. And uh, I know a lot of people talk about, well, you didn't make the money back then. I made more money than I ever dreamed I'd make as a, as a Dolphin. Mm. I act my Mom and dad are in the vacuum cleaner business. I'm playing ball for the Dolphins. I just feel blessed. But all of those things you're talking about, that's all great stuff. But it's the relationships that 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 we all still have, to me, that really is what it's all about. And then the things we learned. I'm I'm in the restaurant business. I use the things I learned from Coach Bryant and Coach Shula every day, wow. every damn day. And uh, uh, just talking to some folks yesterday about some things that I had learned through playing ball, you know, and whether it's training camp, whether it's from playing against guys like, like Jim Langer and Larry Little and Kuchenberg or, or playing with guys like AJ and Betters and Bo and Brzezinski and those guys or playing the relationships that we have with, with the Alabama gang that was there. We all stay in touch, Don McNeil and Dwight and Tony. I talked to all of them this past week, you know, so That's great. I can't say enough about that stuff. Uh, all the other stuff that came with that, the Pro Bowls, the Super Bowls, all that stuff. It's just, uh, you know, that's all gravy, I guess. You know? Yeah, that's yeah. awesome, man. How that meaningful awesome. does that must be to, to fans, Juice, to hear that, to hear that you guys still are so close, that those relationships you built, it wasn't just it. And I think current players, sometimes it's unfair because of free agency. It's just a different world and, and the money's different. And But but I do think there's still guys who have close, close relationships. But clearly it was different in that day and age. And I think for fans who, who want to hold on to the purity of the game, to find out that you guys who went out there and bled on the field and who they cheered for to this day still stay in touch, I know that's got to mean a lot to fans. Yeah, I, and I agree with you. And, and when I get the opportunity to talk to some of the folks that remember us, that's one of the things you didn't see is – I didn't really see as, as clearly as I wish I would have is what we meant to our fans. You know, I, I mean, I didn't get that. Yeah. You know, and you're in your kind of, you're in your own little bubble there, but, but um, just talking this morning and the memories that the guy had, uh, his name was David about, uh, he talked about going to the games when he was a little kid and, and with his parents and uh, just, it's an amazing experience to be able to play for the Dolphins. Yeah, and awesome. think about it too, Bob. It's like even then there were there were no Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, we know right. that the, the, you talk about Tampa, they were like the doormats in, in right. Florida. <laughs> you know what I mean? The the Heat, there were no Heat, no Marlins. You yep. know, so South Florida, man. Everything you talk about the even the Bahamas, you, it, that that far reaching even there. You know, I think the Dolphins had love all the way up through Atlanta, and even Atlanta was right. kind, of, kind of divided when it right. came to Dolphins and the in the in the Falcons. So. You guys really pretty much had all the southeastern United States, you know, and playing football like that. Like you talk about South Florida being an area when you're playing well, you're winning there, how much love you got. But you guys had a lot of love in southeastern United States. Right. Yeah. And uh, in fact, I used to hear a lot about how often the Dolphins were on TV in Birmingham on, you know, NBC back in the day when I was uh, when uh, I get back to Alabama, they talk about how much we were on in the southeast. But. Uh, I don't know. You guys seen that book that 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 uh, 
book that they did on Coachula, that memorial book. And I've been fantastic looking at the pictures and the things that Coach Shula. Yeah, Scott uh, Stone and the crew did an amazing job with that. It, yeah, I just I go through that, and I just again, it just accentuates how how uh, fortunate and blessed I feel like uh, I was just to be a little player. No, you're a major player. Stop it, Bob. You're a major player. With a little player? Come on, Bob. You got to forget now where I'm at now. I'm a, I'm a head fry cook these days. <laughs> I know exactly where you're at in the honor roll, right? You know, That's right. That's right. And, and Coach Shula and Bob Baumhauer, you're in the honor roll. That's where you yeah. are, and you're not going anywhere anytime soon. It was a big deal, I, no doubt. But uh, yeah, when I when I go through that book, and, and my wife was going through it the other day when we were down there, it was such a, the Dolphins have such a great story. and. Again, that's the, one of the reasons I'm so excited, especially with what I saw Sunday. I mean, um, whether it's, especially on defense, I think I think offense can be great. I think Tua is going to be everything that everybody wants him to be. Because first of all, he's a hell of a young man. He's got a great family. Um, he's going to be committed to being the best that he can be, student of the game. Um, and then you know, it was pretty easy to see he knows where to put the ball. Yeah. You know, people just got to go up and get it or catch it, you know, but uh, <laughs> well, we, we, we hope you are uh, predicting the future here, Bob. We are all rooting for that for sure. So listen, we're going to get you out of here in a second, but I have a couple quick, a couple more questions to ask okay. you. Uh, one of which you've mentioned his name a couple times. Now we just talked about the killer bees, your good friend, Kimbo camper. Right. So we don't do a fish tank episode about any player who played in the eighties without giving Kim a little bit of a call. Cause you know, he's a great storyteller and he, and, and seems to have been in the middle of all the stories. <laughs> One of the things that Bo said was he said, ask Bob about his pet lion. Oh, okay. What, what, I, and that's all he said, you know, he doesn't yeah. give me anything else. What are you talking about? Well, and it was on one of our off days. I think Kim was with us. It was Kim and AJ and a few of us. We went up <laughs> to lion country safari. Okay. Okay, and so we go through, and you know how you drive through Lion Country Safari, sure. and at the end, there's a petting section. So we're in the petting section. They find out we're dolphins, and they want to start taking pictures. So they start taking pictures of us with some of these lion cubs. Oh, boy. And I asked a question. I said, well, what kind of pets would these make? You know, and I'm, you know, what am I? I'm 24, 25. I'm bachelor. I got no worries. And and um, they, they, they said they gave me a price. I think it was like 500 uh, no, they said it make they great make they make great pets. And I said, well, what do they cost? And they, they said five hundred bucks. I gave them my phone number. I said, call me. So they call me. Oh, jeez. And they and and I bought a lion. <laughs> lion Country Safari. I thought they tell you don't feed them. They don't say anything about taking them home, Juice. I just didn't think anybody would want <laughs> well, to. Well, hey, you know. So and then hey, at the time, AJ, a guy named Rusty Chambers, and I all lived together. Oh, in uh, uh, Village Oaks Apartments in, in Miami Lakes on Cowpen Road. I don't know if you guys know where that's at. It's right up sure. the road from where Coach Shula's hotel is. And uh, so the guy delivers the lion to training camp. And <laughs> there's, some, there's some reporters there taking pictures. And the next morning, there's a picture in the Miami Herald with me holding this lion cup up in the air. And it says Bob Baumhauer holds up his new pet lion from Lion Country Safari. And so ends up, I get a call from Lion Country Safari. He said, you didn't buy that from us? I said, yeah, I do. They said, yes, I did. And they said, well, we don't sell to the public. I said, well, I bought the lion. <laughs> Turns out there was a little underground thing going on there. Like, where did I get it? You know? I don't know. And you could buy those lions all day long for like a hundred bucks. Because I guess <clears throat> lions breed well in captivity. And So anyway, I named him Oscar. He lived with AJ and 
Rusty and myself, <laughs> I took him to practice once in a while, took him back to Alabama and uh, he's growing up. My mom and dad fall in love with him. They want to keep him. I read a story in a newspaper about a lady in Dothan that had a tiger. And it's kind of like when you buy a new car, you know, you start seeing that car on the road. You don't notice it until you buy one and you see it all the time. Same thing with owning a lion. I start seeing where a lot of people, they own these exotic cats. So this lady had a lion in Dothan, Alabama. I mean, a tiger. And she bought another tiger. They both turned on her and killed her. And so all I can think about is Oscar getting bigger and eating my parents, you know. Yeah, that's not a good deal. Yeah, so I made a decision uh, a little later. And actually, it was in combination with a grand opening for Bachelor 3 in 1979. So I drove back to uh, South Florida with Oscar. I donated him back to Lion Country Safari. Really? And where the heck... uh, I can't remember exactly the town he ended up. It's the middle of the state and uh, in a little petting zoo. But uh, I had a line for a while and he was a lot of fun. And I did have some fun with him in practice. <laughs> and what were your teammates thinking when you come in to practice with a like we've heard about the the alligator in this in the shower story with Coach right, Shula. right. bring a lion to practice the hell is yeah. that <laughs> yeah and and it was an experience I mean you know young and dumb you know but uh, I had fun with it hey Bob when you donated him back did they remember selling him to you then or were they still out <laughs> do I remember what when when you donated the lion back did they remember that they sold him to you then oh or yeah they, they still oh yeah back? oh definitely. And and the reason he ended up in a petting zoo is because he didn't adapt back to to Lion Country Safari. Right. So they put him in a better place where uh, he was because he was pretty well domesticated at that time. Right. Right. That was an interesting experience. That is. That sounds like a hell of an experience. What tell you to? Kim would tell you to get me to tell him about that story. That's why we call Kim. He's got all the good stuff. He thought I was pretty crazy. So did you watch some of that series? What was that series? That was just the Lion so King. Lion King, yeah. yeah. Did you watch any of that? No, I watched I know, that the Tiger King, the Lion Tiger King, King or whatever. Or whatever. Sick people, man. I don't yeah. want to watching that stuff. <laughs> oh, bro. Hey, so you know, Bob, as we talk about, you know, Bo and, and the bees, you know, and I've I've been amazed at how you and Bo and Bob Rizinski, you know, all become such successful restaurateurs. How say that for me, Seth? That's a big word like mayonnaise. How restaurateurs? Restaurateurs? Is that? Tours. There it is. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Tell me how you got into the restaurant business, man, well, and build it to where it's at. Bachelor 3 started off because of what I told you, relationship with Joe and all the above. The wing thing, I started, I got, I was, we were the first ones to serve Buffalo style chicken wings in the state of Alabama in 1981. And it was from a relationship with a guy named Eddie Hauk who owned wings and things back in the day. And then he was partners with Brew in Brew's room and uh, got in the business uh, and just went to a wing joint in Fort Lauderdale, fell in love with it and felt like this would be great on a college campus. Mm. So took it, brought it to Tuscaloosa, opened a little joint in 81 took a couple of years that took off when I retired in the late eighties, mid to late eighties, what was it? 87 or whatever, decided to try to do that as a, a career and uh, been trying to figure out ever since. But uh, right now we're doing pretty well. We, we've gone from being wings. We were just wings for a long time. We have some sports themed restaurants called uh, Baumhauer's now, which is similar to a Bo's campers or a Brzezinski's, but we're more of a restaurant. Uh, we're not as much of a sports bar now. We got a lot of TVs, a lot of decor, a lot of atmosphere, a lot of energy. 
And then we have a fine dining restaurant called Dolphins, uh, which is in downtown Mobile. And then I have a speakeasy called Las Florditas, which is a tribute to a place in Havana called El Florida, uh, which is supposedly the birthplace of the daiquiri. And then we have a little chain of restaurants called Wing Fingers, which are, uh, I don't know if you, up in this area, these chicken tender restaurants are becoming real popular. And it's kind of a, a chicken finger restaurant. That's a drive-through type of thing. Oh, nice. So, and my son, my oldest son, Spencer, he is uh, 28 now. He's my, pretty much my chief operating officer. He's doing a great job and we're still trying to grow it. We're working on growing it and we're fighting this damn pandemic just like right. everybody else is, uh, but we're doing okay. And, uh, you know, I talked to Bo a good bit about what his, his challenges are. I talked to Brzezinski about his, what they're doing. And then I talked to Eddie off and on too. So um, it's uh, something, it's just kind of funny. Offered all, same thing with Offered all, you know, Offered all's grill, right? Off the grill. Yep. yep. We all, and we all talk shop a good bit. And I think we all use our experience as ball players and the things we learned to do the things necessary because restaurant business is tough. And uh, you got to be pretty tough uh, to stay in it. So that's how I got into it. And um, again, we're fighting the fight. And it's all in the umbrella, Aloha Hospitality. So right. where'd that come from? Is that from all your appearances in Hawaii? No, you know, it- <laughs> I'll tell you, it, 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 we were called Wings Management at the beginning, and I opened a couple restaurants that had a little bit of a Caribbean theme, and they were doing really well. And, and they kind of brought it up to me and said, why are we called Wings Management Company? We're not a wing joint. We're not this. We're not that. So we did a little focus group. And uh, we, we talked about what business we're in, the hospitality, and we talked about what word really makes you feel good when you hear it. And Aloha came up. There it is. So That's Aloha awesome. Hospitality. Well, and I'm rocking so- my shirt in honor of Aloha Hospitality. The guys were giving me a high bomb, but I had to put this on. just to, I, I felt good. When Wendy reached out and I answered, she said, Aloha. And I was like, wait a minute, is Bob working out of Hawaii? <laughs> and a lot of people ask that question, but the you know it fits i mean you know you go to hawaii what about that's a hell of a place to go and you, you hear that word when you get off the plane and it's sweet you know i don't know anybody yeah. that doesn't like hearing that word so and then right. we're in the hospitality business we're not in a management business we're not in a wing business we talk about the experience that we're able to give to our guests and the hospitality piece of it so that's where that came from good question um, that's awesome in around 2000 we made that change that's awesome, Bob. Man, that's great cool. stuff, bro. Great stuff, man. Well, we've <laughs> taken up enough of your time with 13 plus restaurants or whatever it is. We know you're a pretty busy guy. So uh, I, I just want to thank you. It was a real honor. Uh, big fan of the Killer Bees as a kid. But, you know, I think playing in a nose tackle position when you're younger, you don't truly appreciate it. I think like the offensive line and those guys in the trenches, you know, it's easy yeah. to count OJ's touchdowns and his catches and 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 his yeah. uh, his celebrations and all those things. But the guys in the trenches, sometimes you don't recognize what they're accomplishing until you take a look back afterwards Absolutely. and so in prepping for this it was just like well holy smokes no wonder why you know everybody loved bob well, Bauer, and it was just an honor to have you man i'm flattered and um and and even with that all said you know i talked about not wanting to play that position you know you find a way to make it fun you're going to be better at it so i found a way to make it fun i was i, I ended up actually liking that position uh, that's i don't know if that i'm a weirdo because of that or whatever <laughs> no a successful one damn nose guard you know <laughs> so well, we can't wait to come receiver. you want to be my hey my that's right that's right receiver 
Yeah. And you know what? Linebacker right now, Troy. But, uh, <laughs> you don't grow up wanting to be a damn nose guard. That's right. <laughs> we didn't Success have to worry about wham blocks either. Really Bob. enjoyed talking to y'all. This was a lot of fun for me too. Thank you. Yeah. We appreciate you, man. We can't wait to come visit your restaurants too in Alabama. Well, I tell well, you what, you guys want to come up? Come up, come up for the Senior Bowl or something. And we got we've got uh, Dolphins. Uh, that's a big part of the Senior Bowl. And then Las Florida's. That's a, a Cuban speakeasy. That's in the in the basement. You got to have a password to get in there. <laughs> well, we know the guy that can probably get it we, for we us. We can get that. But, yeah. Juice, if, if somehow we got – I don't think they're going to bring us up to the Senior Bowl, but if somehow they did, I think that Coach Flores, Coach Flores would probably see it the high-end spot again, and we would probably be at the chicken – we'd be in the drive-thru getting <laughs> – I think right. that's where Make we would sure be. you get the Dolphins. Wing fingers. Right. We'll be over Juice wing might fingers. get brought along. I know Priest and I will be chicken fingers and fries. I'll even spring for a little extra dipping sauce. All right, all right. Hey, Bob, thanks for diving in, man. We really appreciate you. You're now diving into the fish tank. Sitting down with Seth living, Seth. OJ, Juice, Juice Man, ooh, and this is strictly for them true fans, yeah. Dolphins, number one. one, of course y'all, this ain't no ordinary sports talk, never been that fish tank, go get your aqua orange, yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank, it's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank, rocking with OJ and Seth when you dive up in that fish tank, Okay, this one for them diehards Celebrate big or cry hard Leave it all on the field, we gon' try hard Old school, a new school, mix it in Feeling like we up close when we listening Dolphins tales, in Miami is the deep end We vibing with our favorite players, no secret We get with Seth and McDuffie Bringing up stories we never heard to the public Bet we love it, Dolphins fans never budget We loyal to the team, whether happy or we upset We be like, what's next? Don't switch the subject You know it's all about them fans And if you ready for that water, time to dive in Don't switch the subject, you know it's all about them fans And if you down with Dolphins Nation, time to dive in Don't switch the subject you know it's all about them fins. You looking at that fish tank, it's time to dive in. Up in that fish tank. Go get your aqua orange, yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank. It's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank. Rapping with OJ and Seth, time to dive up in that fish tank. Don't ever add a token, but to dive up in that fish tank.